doing this uh, beautiful last day of uh, March, the last day of the third month of this year is come upon us, and uh, we've made it through a quarter of this year as of today. That's just kind of amazing to me, to be honest with you. Doesn't seem like it's doesn't seem like it's possible yet. Uh, what's on your tap today in your social, uh, you know, distancing? What are you doing? I've been watching some stuff on Netflix and Amazon. I'll talk about a little bit about that here here in a minute. Elizabeth is with us. Uh, she is in Conway. Elizabeth, how are you today? Talk- good. Good morning, Dave. How are you doing on this beautiful morning? Well, <laughs> I won't call it a beautiful <laughs> morning other than my eyes open and I'm looking down on the grass and not up at it. But the bottom line is it's not a bad day. A little bit chilly uh, here in the Ellswick household, uh, my wife decided to turn the heater off last night, and it got a little cool last <laughs> night uh, here in the house. I didn't want to get out of bed. You know, when, when you're nice and warm in your bed, uh, you just kind of like to stay there. And so I was having a hard time waking up and getting up out of the out of the uh, the rack today. But uh, I'm sitting up now. I'm in the dining room. I've had a couple of cups of coffee. I've eaten my oatmeal for breakfast, so I'm ready to get at it now and uh, do my thing. Heidi is back at the station there in Little Rock. Heidi, how are you today? I'm doing pretty good, you know, all things considered. You know, the it's a little bit rainy, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sunshiny uh, inside right now. So, yeah, well, feeling pretty good. good. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Rain will be ending today. The clouds will slowly part. We'll get a little bit of sun. High of 63 tomorrow. It's April Fool's Day tomorrow. Mostly sunny and 67 degrees. And for your Thursday, uh, skies re-cloud up again. Uh, high of uh, 72. Around the area, here's how the temperatures are looking for your uh, Tuesday, your last day of March. Uh, uh, here in Cabot, it's 51. In Conway, where Elizabeth is, it's 50. And uh, looks like uh, I've got some drizzle going on. Uh, Conway's got some drizzle going on. Little Rock is 50 degrees. Uh, it's okay right now there. They're kind of dry, maybe a little mist. Hot Springs, 50, and Pine Bluff is at 51 degrees. So that's the way it's looking around the area. Kind of, We'll all hit uh, a high around 63 before uh, this day is over. So before we get I feel into like I, go ahead. I feel like I have to explain why I said beautiful morning this morning because, you know, with the, all the uh, weather, it's a little dreary and it's a little chilly, and it's the attitude of gratitude. Got to okay. look at things from the positive point of view. Got to set your mind on the right attitude in the morning, and it really, really helps. Well, I've been a good. I've got a good attitude in that. That uh, I got a whole another day. The Lord's been good enough yes. to give to me, so I'll uh, I'll be trying to do the best that I can do with the time that is 
been granted to me. Uh, don't forget That's later right. on later on today, seven o'clock, the Bible guys will be by. They'll be answering your questions. If you still have a question, you hadn't got it in yet. It's not too late. You can email me at uh, Bible Guys at SalemLR.com. That's Bible Guys at SalemLR.com. Uh, Steve won't be here today. He's working early at the Air Force Base. But uh, Pastor Scott will be here from Agape. Billy Miller, who's pastor out there at the Cummins Unit, is going to be here as well. So uh, they'll have you some uh, answers. We've got about four questions at this time, which is a good amount for us. That's a good time just because we've got to get those in. Um, and it takes about 15 minutes a question usually. Those guys can talk. You know what I'm saying? They can talk. So what have you a been watching? A lot of good information. Yeah, what have you been watching on uh, Netflix or on uh, on uh, cable or on uh, Amazon to, to kill some of the time in during this social distancing, Elizabeth? Well, you can just imagine I'm watching dancing movies. I'm watching Fred Astaire. There you go. Happy <laughs> watching, Feet kind of stuff. Yeah, Happy Feet, Happy Music. Um, you know, Footloose was something we watched the other day. Jump up yeah. in the living room, dance all around. Makes you feel better. you got to move around. Something I think is happening with a lot of people is you're sitting still too much. You're sitting okay, so, still too much. So you're watching Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. Everybody used to talk about how great Fred Astaire was. Nobody thought about Ginger Rogers, who did exactly what Fred Astaire did, but did it all backwards and in heels. Those of us lady dancers know that very, very well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, sir. But, no, so. it's just it's just happy stuff. It makes you feel good. Um, and, you know, lots of comedy. Oh, my gosh, lots of comedy. We got hung up on Bill Ingvall on oh, Saturday morning and probably sat there for two hours. I laughed until I fell on the floor. I cried. <laughs> you know, you get kind of silly after a while, and we just really enjoyed that sort of thing. So did you get a card? Did I get a card? Yeah, that's what, isn't that his, his famous line, here's your, here's your card? Could be, could be. We were watching a bunch thing. of old stuff. Yeah, yeah. Here's <laughs> your card. I'm not that familiar, so it was, uh, it was, it was very interesting. Oh, and everybody knows Jeff Foxworthy, of all course. about the rednecks, all yeah, about blue, the rednecks. The blue collar comics. You've been watching Foxworthy and him, and uh, well, I can't think of the uh, the guy who always acts like he's such a lush, but he's not. And then you have well, uh, and then Larry the Cable Larry the Guy cable and all guy. that. Yeah, that's the blue collar <laughs> tour right, right there. Uh, was it White? Is that the other guy's name? Last yes. name is White. Yes, yes. Yeah. But he so, always has a, the glass of whiskey in his in his hand. Of that may be a good thing at this time. <laughs> you know, there's there's another great comedian uh, from back in the fifties and early sixties that played that exact same kind of a part. You remember Jackie Gleason. Now, Heidi probably does not. I was just thinking. Not, I was Heidi just was thinking, thinking of Jackie Gleason. Gleason. But uh, you had the guy that was with him, uh, Guggenheim. You remember Guggenheim? Yes, with the funny hat. Yep. And then the other guy yep. was uh, Brooks, who was the guy who was, he would Mel always Brooks. be. Uh, no, not Mel Brooks. This not Mel Brooks. Brooks. This was uh, another Brooks. guy who used to sit at the bar and. They would sit and talk, and, and, and he acted like he was drinking all the time. Uh, and he quit drinking many, many years into his career. For many, many years, he never touched another drop of liquor. 
So let's, uh, we're talking about things Heidi has no idea of. She's probably not even <laughs> heard those names. So let me, let me ask Heidi, Heidi, what have you been watching on Netflix or on cable or, or even uh, over on, uh, you know, Amazon? What have you been watching? Well, um, I haven't been watching in too much. Uh, I usually listen to a lot of podcasts, but my sister has been telling me about this new Netflix documentary called Tiger King. Have oh my God! I, I watched three episodes last night. It is the craziest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. She was telling me about it, and it's it's just right there in Oklahoma, and it's about all these weirdos who love big cats and. All the murder and mystery and intrigue, it, it seems really, really interesting, to say the least. What I think is interesting about the show is you get this animal rights lady who is over in Tampa Bay, who is works, gets money from PETA and and is out there attacking these animal, uh, these animal uh, zoos that. You know, you, you see oh. when you're in Oklahoma or uh, one was a, trying to think one guy, I think, is out in South Carolina, I believe. And uh, and talking we have a and rescue group in Arkansas. Yeah, well, the, these people, the elephant. Now, the, these are people that this lady says she has a rescue uh, place. All right. And she makes over one and a half million dollars. Uh, for people coming by her rescue to see these animals. And she's, she's always attacking, uh, you know, Joe Exotic, who li- who's got his place out there in Oklahoma. And he's got, you know, hundreds of, of different cats and stuff. He takes good care of them, it looks like to me. Uh, Make sure they, they get their, uh, their, what shots they need and, keeps them fed the guy in south carolina does the same and she she uh, attacks him for allowing people to come in and take pictures and uh, hold the cats and and things of that nature and she does the same thing except that she puts rescue behind hers and so nobody gives her any crap at all they give these other guys unmitigated crap constantly uh I haven't watched all of it, but you got to watch it. It's just amazing how the, quote, animal rights people get away with murder of what they do to these guys. It just And they both do the same thing. This lady in Tampa opens up her place, and hundreds of people are coming in a day to look at the cats, and she only has uh, a few cats. And these others have got uh, a bunch of cats that they take care of. And they work with the cats and things. I, I just don't get it. Huh. I, I, I don't. I don't get PETA. You know, people eating tasty animals. I never. I never get. You know. <laughs> you know what it is that they're trying to do at times. I mean, they lost me. You guys may remember this. You may not. I don't know, Heidi. I don't know how old you are. I mean, I know that you're not. You're not. 30 yet you've got to be in your Careful early day. 20s <laughs> no, she's in her early 20s I, i'm sure she is uh, you don't remember the happy meals that Peter uh, were hanging out and, and handing out at uh, mcdonald's 
back in the, it seems to me it was in the late 90s. You may remember this now. I uh, do. I do. I, I consumed a crap ton of Happy Meal. And there was also the Mighty Kids Meal toys, which were oh, the yeah, Mighty Kids okay. Meals, which were more like uh, for like middle schoolers and all that. But right. I'm not quite sure if I remember all of the PETA stuff that, that went down. But well, yeah, I consumed a lot of McDonald's, a lot well, of that. They did. They, they would park themselves at McDonald's and they gave out they called them I forget what they called them it wasn't Happy Meals they called them something else because they thought how terrible it was that uh, they were teaching kids how to eat meat and all that but uh, they they handed out dismembered animals to kids what yeah they they had in their ha- their happy meal their <laughs> version of it they were handing out dismembered uh, Happy Meals, and you remember? Do you remember the billboards? Uh, feed your baby beer, not milk. Do you remember that one? Oh, I, I don't know, but that sounds familiar. That's ooh, I don't like that. Yeah, that's what. That's just that's the stuff that they would because uh, how dare you steal the the milk from a cow? You know, I mean, those people are are certifiably nuts. They're crazy. They're nuts. They really are. We'll talk more about it as we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, We're getting ready to start into April, which is going to be our first full month of social distancing. The president said he's going to go all the way through April. So um, let's talk about what we're watching on Netflix and over on uh, uh, Amazon, maybe on uh, you're watching stuff on uh, DirecTV or whatever, or Dish or whatever it is that is your you know, consumable that you use on your television. I'd like to hear what you're watching. The phone number is 823-0965, Yeah, The Tiger King. That's a pretty wild show thus far as I've watched it. I've watched the first three episodes yesterday. And then I'll tell you what I just finished uh Linda and I were kind of binge-watching it. We'll talk about it when we come back. And it's got Al Pacino in it. That's coming up here on the Dave Ellswick Show. 19 minutes after 6. Today, rain ending, clouds still. They'll yield to a little bit of sunshine before the day is over. High of 63 and currently 50 degrees in Little Rock. Here on the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right, you're uh, driving in towards the city. It's uh, you, you are still going to work. A lot of you uh, may not be, but you're still keeping your sleep patterns uh, steady so that when you do start going back to work, it won't be like, you know, trying to figure out what to do all over again. It's 23 minutes after 6 right now here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Of course, uh, Elizabeth is here because it's Tuesday. Elizabeth Sotolaro is with us. And in the studio, Heidi is uh, the, our producer, and she is there as well. We've been talking a little bit about some different shows uh, that people have been watching on Netflix and on uh, Amazon. Maybe you have Hulu or Zulu or who knows what other uh, kind of uh, ways you're uh you know partaking of shows on television you might have direct tv or dish tv uh, i'm supposed to have direct tv but i'm going to be on the line with them today waiting for 40 minutes probably before i get to talk to somebody uh my my uh internet uh uh 
TV not working all that well, although my Netflix and Amazon are working perfectly. So we're going to get on the line and try to work that out. Uh, Let me give you a definition. You just heard him talk about Baptist. We're going to talk more about that. But what does it mean when they say furlough? Uh, A furlough, it's a mandatory leave of absence without pay. Better in my days, it was known as laid off. That's that's what it meant. You were laid off. Uh, it was often implemented to cut costs in an economic downturn. They came up with another word. You know, they, that's what something that we got to do in our culture, kind of come up with other words that maybe sound a, a little bit uh, softer uh, than uh, the word or the term that we've been using. I mean, laid off, that's that that's pretty clean and clear to me, uh, but they they went to furlough. Just like you know, you can say somebody died, or you can say somebody passed away. Passed away sounds so much uh, more uh, softer than yeah, they kicked the bucket. They're dead. They're no longer you know they're deceased or whatever. So anyway, something to keep in mind because we're going to talk about furloughing people in just a moment. I wanted to mention the show that. I spent uh, the last couple of days watching uh, and and uh, consuming on, uh, I believe uh, it's on uh, Amazon, and it's a show that's called Hunters. And I'm going to tell you, it, it's a good show. Now, if bad language and extreme violence bother you, uh, probably not the, the movie or the show for you. There's there's a lot of, uh, of bad language in it, but there's a there's a, a really big message in the show as well. It's about uh, a group of people who call themselves the hunters, and they are people that are tracking down Nazis that still live in the United States. Now, I'm one of those crazy people that I'll hear them mention different things in a show, and I'll look it up to see what they're pulling from. And one of the things that they mention in the show is Operation Paperclip. And what Operation Paperclip was and how it got its name is that at the end of the war, when the Soviet Union was uh, coming into uh, Germany. When the United States were, was going into Germany, uh, both countries knew uh, they were going to be at each other's throat for a long time because Russia, of course, is a communist nation. The United States was not. And uh, they had both had intersecting things that they were doing. They were both working on jet airplanes. Uh, they were both working on an atomic bomb. Uh, They both were wanting to get a man uh, into space uh, and then, of course, get a man on the moon. So who better to do and help them with a lot of that than uh, uh, Nazis who had been working on a lot of that stuff during World War II. And so the, the, the game was on, the rush was on to see who could get the most German scientists and people who were support staff uh, with the Nazis uh, to their country. The United States brought over a little over 1,600 Nazis to the United States. Now, these are the people that took part willingly and, uh, you know, uh, as far as 
pulling the trigger and doing experiments on Jewish people during the Holocaust. And they made a couple of statements during the show that I think are worth repeating. Both of you heard of the Nuremberg trials, correct? You heard of those, Elizabeth. Oh, absolutely. Okay, big trials for Nazi war criminals. Had you heard about that, Heidi? Are you familiar with your history, World yeah, War II? Yeah, I read about it in, a, in history class, but I'm a little bit iffy on what all happened. Okay, well, they, they brought forth Nazi criminals that had been part of the Holocaust, and they, uh, they tried them, and in uh, most instances found them guilty and put them on the gallows. Uh, so let me ask you, uh, uh, Elizabeth, how many people were put to death by the Nuremberg trials because of the Holocaust? Oh, my gosh, Dave, I don't know. Well, if you went by what, you know, a lot of people say in a big movie that they made with Spencer Tracy called Judgment at Nuremberg and things of that nature. Yes. You think it's a lot, don't you? Well, yes. Okay. Well, let me tell you how many people died. Twelve. Put to death because of the trials. Yes. Eleven million Jews uh, and homosexuals and Christians and all different people were killed during the Holocaust and only twelve. Yeah, well, eleven. Eleven were put to death. I'll tell you more about this. It's really, this, this show is really good, and it, it brings out some uh, very interesting things. I'll tell you all about Operation Paperclip after the news, which happens right now. All right, so Operation Paperclip is the operation that was initiated by the U.S. government to get these Nazi scientists who had been um, instrumental in the extermination of uh, 11 to 12 million people during the Holocaust, that, uh, you know, Jews uh, mainly were the ones, about 6 million Jews, that uh, they were killing. And uh, it got the name because on the files of these different Nazis, on the top of the file there was always a piece of paper that listed what they did for the Third Reich, for Hitler and his uh, his people in, you know, the different uh, experiments and programs and things of the, like Von Braun, the V-2 rocket and things of that nature. Well, those people had that paper removed from the folder uh, on the outside of the folder, and it left an imprint of a paper clip that had been used to hold that paper on the uh, the folder. So thus they started calling this Operation Paperclip. And over 1,600 uh, Nazis were let into the United States uh, to, uh, to work in our uh, intelligence, in our uh, science projects, and all the rest. And uh, let me just give you some different things that uh, that they did. Uh, there's the story of inventing taboon. Uh, that is a nerve agent that was named after the English word taboo. Uh, the Germans called it 991, 
and after their defeat at Stalingrad, seriously had considered using it against the Russians and, uh, you know, all-out gas warfare. Henry Wallace, the former vice president and secretary of commerce, believed that the scientists' ideas could launch new civilian industries and produce jobs. Indeed, German scientists developed the following. Hang on, y'all. How about synthetic rubber that's used in automobile tires? Non-running hosiery, ladies. The ear thermometer. Electromagnetic tape and miniaturized electrical components, just to name a few. Let me give you a very famous name of a Nazi. Uh, Werner von Braun, well-known to us who remember the Apollo moon landing. During the Ford administration, von Braun was almost awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom until one of Ford's senior advisors, David Gergen, you know them, he's still around, objected to his Nazi past. Less well-known is that another 120 fellow German scientists, engineers, and technicians developed the Saturn V launch vehicle or that the Launch Operations Center at Cape Canaveral, Florida, was headed up by Kurt Divas, an ardent Nazi. The Vertical Assembly Building, bigger in volume than the Pentagon and almost as tall as the Washington Monument, was designed by Bernhard Tesserman, former facilities director at the German Missile Launch Facility at Pinamunda. Other uh, prominent uh, Nazis hired under Operation Paperclip included Dr. Hubertus Stronghold, who played an important role in space medicine by developing spacesuits and other life support systems. In June of 48, he put a rhesus monkey named Albert in the pressurized mm-hmm. nose cone of a V-2 rocket in a pressurized uh, that pressurized nose cone, the first step in an effort to send humans to space. Uh, General Reinhard Gierlin, former head of Nazi intelligence operations against the Soviets, was hired by the U.S. Army and later by the CIA to operate 600 ex-Nazi agents in the Soviet zone. German biologist Dr. Kurt Blum was hired to develop offensive and defensive capabilities to counter Soviet biological warfare activities. This is what this show is about. And the, the show is about them hunting these Nazis down and uh, killing them. Because here's what they say. The, the bodies, uh, the, the lives of six million Jews cry out for justice. And that's, uh, this, that's what these uh, folks are doing. I mean, uh, we know all remember, was it, uh, who was the, the Nazi hunter? Uh, Elizabeth, was it uh, Wiesenthal? Was that his name? Oh, from, Dave, don't put me. I don't know. Yeah, from, uh, Israel. <laughs> We're in uncharted territory yeah, for me. He, he, he went out and, and got a, a, a bunch of people. In 1949, by the way, the CIA created the Office of Scientific Intelligence. Its first director, director, head of the department for the CIA, Dr. Willard Mockley, traveled to Germany to set up a special program to interrogate Soviet spies. The CIA believed the Russians had developed mind control programs, wanted to know how U.S. spies would hold up against the capability if caught. He also aimed to explore the feasibility of creating an, and if you're a movie person, you'll remember this, Manchurian candidate through behavioral modification. 
That is Operation Paperclip, and that is a very, very, as far as I'm concerned, uh, damning indictment of our government and what they did. I understand why they did it. I understand it. But I'm not saying it was principled or that it was right. Unbelievable. Would you not agree? I was just saying, I, I knew that there were Rus- uh, Nazis who were brought here to do work with our country, but I didn't know about the circumstances. And I, I mean, they didn't have to denounce. I mean, they just brought them in. And how much of that intellectual information flowed the other direction? Well, there's no telling. And, you know, there's still I mean, there's there's still a lot of people that uh, say that the Nazis are doing their thing. I mean, you take a look at uh, this country today and uh, we've got neo-Nazi groups uh, still uh, trying to bring forth what those folks will know as the Fourth Reich, still trying to get it all going. Well, Willie wants to join up here with uh, what we're talking about. Hey, Willie, what's up? Uh, Simon Biesenthal. Yeah, there you go. Biesenthal, that, you're, corre- you're correct. That's the name. Dave, who was the father of the Soviet nuclear bombs? You know, I don't know. Who was it? Probably a Nazi. Uh, no, it was Andrei <laughs> Sakharov. Okay. All right. So, and what, what significance, significance is White, White Sands, New Mexico? Well, that's where we test all our nuclear capabilities. Right, right. And we got Nazi scientists like von Braun. Well, yeah, they they built our space program. And I guess maybe in their in their own minds, uh that was a way for them to quote make up for uh, killing thousands and uh tens of thousands of of innocent civilians in uh, England when those V-2 rockets were raining down from uh, from the Nazis. Is Von Braun's son still working with us? I don't know if he is or not. I know Von Braun died, uh, although that plays a part in the program. you got to see it. Uh, uh, I, I suggest you watch it. You'll like it, Willie. You'll like it a lot. What's the name of it? Hunters. What Hunters. channel? Uh, it's on Amazon. Oh, I don't get Amazon. Okay. Well, if you if you get it, it's well worth getting it. You might be able to get like a 60-day 60, 60 uh, subscription, and you can watch this in one day. I mean, I I sat down two days, watched the whole show. It's great. And then canceled. Okay. <laughs> I've been known to do things like that. I'll let you go, Willie. Thank you very much. I mean, it's a part of American history that, to be honest, a lot of people would rather we didn't know about. That perhaps came out uh, in uh, some CIA reports. Uh, If you remember the Clinton uh, administration, they released a huge report about our complicity of bringing in Nazis into the United States. Uh, kind of not get, given a lot of coverage, but big deal. But just got to tell you, it's a, it's well worth your watch uh, about it. Uh, and you're good we, at your your details, Dave. Is the show pretty historically accurate, yes, or is yes, it, yes, yeah. yes, yeah? I mean, yeah. A, okay. a lot of a lot of the people that are are the characters, they're probably fictional, but uh, the the stories about. The Nazis that they they search down and and kill, 
they give the true story of the background of these pop, uh, people during uh, what they did for uh, Adolf Hitler's uh, Third Reich. Yeah, it's 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 disturbing uh, in that sense, for sure. It's a powerful piece. It's a powerful piece of work, then. And this is Al Pacino's latest, right? This is a yeah. current. Yeah, uh, this is a brand new. And, for him. I, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. Uh, the end of the show throws a real interesting twist at you, that um, begs a question that you're <laughs> always asking yourself deep in in your mind. You know, was it right for us to do this? What if we hadn't have done this? What if the Russians mm-hmm. had gotten the bomb first? What if the Russians had gone to the moon first? And on and on and on. I mean, there's a lot of uh, interesting uh, subject matter to mull over in your in your mind. And, and, you know, I'm typically that kind of a guy. I mean, that's why I do the type of a show that I do. Uh, but uh, I, I highly recommend this one. So, Heidi, if you've got Amazon, watch Hunters. Okay, I think I might start that, that free trial. I'll, I'll see about that. I'll put that on my list. Yeah, there you go. You'll like it. I'm just telling you, you're going you're gonna to like it. And you'll like it, too. Uh, it'll disturb you, Elizabeth. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm like sure. That sort of thing gets under my skin. Of that Quentin Tarantino movie, Inglorious, and then there's that. Oh, Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, the Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we can say that. It's part of the movie it's title. It's that style. It's that yeah. style. It's in that, um, yeah, it is in yeah. that style that they do the movie there's some really crazy stuff they do uh there's one thing that they it's like they're playing jeopardy and it says are you a jew hater and they start asking questions that will make a lot of people very uncomfortable give your disclaimer again dave yeah it's, it's got a, a lot of yeah it's got a lot of violence. it's got a lot of strong language and it does have a lot of strong violence in it I mean, you can't talk about what the Nazis did in the concentration camps and not have right. not have strong violence. I mean, it was that's right. But it's not for kids. It's not no. a kids show. No, 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 no. No, it's not a history. It's even, an adult thing. Even Amazon, when you bring it up, you know, they always put a disclaimer at first about what's in it, and it tells you how much violence, how much language, and it will either say sixteen plus. Or in many of these episodes, eighteen plus mm-hmm. talking yeah. about about ages. All right, listen, y'all. We got to get a, a a spot in, and then we'll come back and ter- talk about furlough. What does furlough mean, and what's Baptists up to? Why are they furloughing people? Who are they furloughing? Let's talk about that here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Thirteen minutes to seven, and uh, it is a Tuesday, second day of the week. It's usually one of those days that kind of tough because monday you, you drew in all of your uh, you know remaining resources from the weekend to get through monday now you're kind of tapped a little bit and it's tuesday it's uh, 50 degrees in little rock looking for uh, some showers this morning they will end the clouds will part we'll get some sunshine in a high of 63 more coming your way after the traffic and uh, their weather as well here on 101.1 fm the answer. So we were talking about what does it mean if you are furlonged. And when I was younger, uh, they just said you were laid off. Uh, and what that meant, uh, they'd call you back if they uh, needed you. Uh, no pay, no nothing, no benefits, nothing like that. You were out and on your own. And 
course, typically people would try to find other employment at that time. Well, Baptist announced that they're going to furlong some people. Other companies are talking about that as well. I'll bring those up to you in just a moment. But uh, the Baptist story is interesting. Uh, Elizabeth has it there right in front of her. How many people are they talking about, Elizabeth? They're going to cut 170 jobs. It's an email notification they sent out. It says it's going to reduce non-salary expenses, gain efficiencies in aspects of operations. So it's what we said before. It's the non-essential, I assume, affecting less than 2.5% of the company's workforce. Yeah, that, that's I interesting. Hmm. I mean, I don't, I don't see them cutting nurses i don't see them cutting uh, you know you know really talented people that that you need uh, surgeons and things of that nature especially with coronavirus uh, going on but i'm sure that there's people that perhaps are their job title uh sets them up to be uh let go perhaps uh staff down in the uh, uh, you know, where they're making the food for people. They're going to cut back there. Uh, they're probably going to cut back on people. Uh, maybe they have uh, they they have their uh, uh, cafe opened up until 10 o'clock at night. Maybe now it'll only be opened up until 6 o'clock at night. Maybe it opened at 5 a.m. and now it'll open up at 7 a.m. So you can cut out a person right there uh, that you can furlong. Uh, you're going to have people that, you know, mop the floors, probably people who gather trash and and uh, and throw it away. There's no reason why uh, somebody who's working as a nurse can't uh, pick up the trash in the uh, the trash can in a room and, uh, you know, tie it off at the top and put a new one in the, the bucket and then take and get rid of the uh, trash. Uh, in the big receptacle or whatever. It's stuff that you can do there. That's where you can make your cuts at. Uh, and it nice says here also there's there's clinics and things of that sort with all the routine uh, you know testing and checking and things that they're doing. Of course, that's all gotten cut out, which is, of course, hurting their revenue stream even still. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I read online that our insurance companies, for the most part, are um, individuals will not have to pay for uh, any hospitalization or testing and things that have to do with the virus pandemic. That means the insurance companies are paying the hospitals. That means the hospitals, as they always say, are getting less money than they would through regular billing, I think. Yeah, just so They're remember, cutting back as well. When you hear these other companies that are being told that they can't open that, uh, you know, all the, for instance, restaurants, yeah, you can do carry out and you can do drive through. Uh, that's not going to be anywhere near uh, the amount of business that they had when people were coming and sitting down inside uh, yeah. you know, their restaurants and stuff. The Gap announced yesterday that it's furlonging the majority of its store teams in the U.S. and Canada and Coles announced yesterday that it is furlonging 85,000 employees and that the CEO will not take a salary for the duration of the crisis. 
Now, I, if I remember correctly, Coles had been kind of on um, some thin ice uh, as a company, and now uh, they're going to get rid of their 85,000 employees. You know, having them come back, how many of that 85,000 are going to come back to work for Coles after they've been furlonged and maybe are out of a job for, uh, I don't know, 30, 60 days? It would be inter- It will be interesting to see how this all uh, plays out. That tells well, you Well, don't why. you think... Go ahead. Sorry, Dave. Go ahead and finish up. Don't you think that the retail sector will probably suffer with these clo- these furloughs? These folks, these stores, Macy's, for example, and you mentioned Kohl's. I know Gap has pulled up and down a couple of times. They were already saying that retail was not doing well. I think our retail picture is going to look very, very different when everything comes back. Oh, I there agree. were stories yesterday about the rent. Um, various companies have told uh, Subway was one of them, have told their whole entire chain, you can't pay your rent. Tell your landlord you're not going to pay your rent for April. That's going to create a different chain reaction. There's going to be some really different things happening in our retail spaces and well, our restaurant spaces. Just speaking on that, uh, department stores were struggling to grow sales before the coronavirus hit. Now, $430 billion in retail industry revenue could evaporate in the next three months. That's according to the National Retail Federation estimates that are out there. $430 billion. This is, this is one of the dark sides of uh, this whole, you know, going out and social distancing and, and all the things that closing restaurants and all the rest. And that's why the president keeps bringing up is the cure going to be worse than the the disease and and it's a it's a a viable and it's an important question to ask but if we had not been as strong economically as we are and as we have been and if trump had not been around for three years clearing out regulations and juicing the economy the way we've done i don't know where we'd be today and i do believe that when it's lifted and when it becomes a little less intense, that it's going to be pushing, 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 and it's going to pop through and it's going to take off again. I just well, believe that. I, I don't disagree. I don't disagree with you at all. I just want people to understand that holding this, holding, trying to hold back uh, what's going on uh, is going to be tough. Macy's furlonging the majority of its 130,000 employees because of a startling fact. Almost 800 of its stores have been closed since March 18th, and there's no timetable for reopening. You know, you, businesses don't have just huge amounts of disposable cash uh, sitting there, and uh, that's something that everybody has to to understand the company is still going to cover the premiums for employees enrolled in health benefits at least through May. Its digital business will see fewer furlongs mainly because that's the only business Macy's can run uh, these days. All right, we got the news. Let's get that. We got a lot to talk about today here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Thank you. 
little CCM for you this morning. Here we go. All right. Bible guys are here. Hey, Heidi, who was that that you were playing for us this morning? That was uh, Shine by Newsboys. Oh, the Newsboys. Yeah, you got to like the Newsboys. Good stuff. Good. My, my favorite group right now is Wren Collective. I love those guys. I really I like them a lot. I haven't heard you of them before. You never heard of you, no, the Newsboys or Wren Collective? Oh, they changed their name. No, no, no. They're not one and the same. Oh, okay. You've heard of the Newsboys, right? Yeah, that was who we were listening to. Yeah, that yes. song was called It's the Spirit Thing, I think, or something like that. Yeah, you haven't heard Wren Collective, though. No, huh? Okay, well, I'll tell Heidi. Heidi, pull something up for Wren Collective. We'll play it later in the show, okay? Okay. All right. They're great, man. They're from Ireland. They're awesome, dude. If you've oh, never right. seen okay. you got to see them. They're great. They, uh, they have, like, the... Uh, several people in it are like one-man bands. They got like the symbols on the stick and all of that, and they're playing. Oh, really? <laughs> it's uh, great. I love watching them. You know who I'm talking about? Ireland called you know? uh, like uh, the Cello Guys or something like that. Um, and, yeah. And so, like, they're, they're pl- they like saw on their cellos and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Um, Not with know. saws, but with their bows. You know. Yeah, with their bows. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so Billy, you're there. You've heard Wren Collective, right? I have indeed. You have indeed. They're great, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Listen to, listen to Billy. Billy's saying, get to the questions, Ellswick. Get to the questions. <laughs> I'm hearing. Okay, something I was talking about in the last hour. I didn't. Uh, let me ask you, Scott, do you get uh, Amazon television? Uh, I do, yeah. Okay, have you watched, because I've noticed something going on in, uh, uh, on, on uh, HBO and on uh, Amazon and stuff, there's these shows that are coming out that are showing American history from the eyes of Jewish people. Have you noticed that? No, I, have, I actually haven't, no. I haven't okay. seen any of those shows. Well, Billy has seen one of them that I'm talking about. We were talking about it in the last half hour of my uh, of my show here, and that was uh, one that's called Hunters. And it, you know, it, it mentioned. Oh, you know, I've seen the I've seen the previews to that. It's where they hunt oh. down old uh, um, Holocaust Nazi Holocaust people. Or something. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, there was actually a program that the United States had called Operation Paperclip. And uh, Werner von Braun and others were, they, they, they should have been tried as Nazi war crimes, uh, criminals to be, exa- right. to be exact, and they weren't. Uh, the United States uh, absorbed them and in many cases changed their names and uh, set them up in some very lucrative and good programs uh, so that the Soviets didn't get them. And uh, I was just reading some things that they were instrumental in our space program, Von Braum, of course, uh, 
put man on the moon. And uh, he was the man who developed during World War II the V-2 rocket and killed thousands of innocent people during the Blitz uh, against Britain and things of that nature. But uh, then you had uh, you had other other Nazi war criminals that had done uh, terrible experiments on Jewish uh, prisoners of war, uh, and they developed the pressurized suits that our astronauts wore and uh, and things of that nature. And it's uh, they make and I check these figures out. Uh, everybody. For most part, knows anything about World War II history knows about the Nuremberg trials, where they sure. tried the Nazi war criminals. Do you know how many people actually were executed by uh, the uh, Nuremberg trials? No, twelve, twelve Nazis. Oh, really? Just twelve, twelve people for eleven million. Doesn't sound very justifiable yeah, to me. No, it doesn't. Mostly a dog and pony show, yeah. Yeah, it really, really was, and uh, that's brought up. This Operation Paperclip is brought up. But it's about this group that say 11 million voices cry out from the grave, and they're, they're dispensing justice to these old Nazi war criminals. It's an interesting show. Another show is the one that they're doing about uh, Limburg now on HBO, which is historically accurate, and... Uh, he had a lot of ties to, uh, you know, fascism uh, in Germany uh, oh, during really? the rise, during the rise of, of, of Adolf Hitler. Charles Lindbergh was. Uh, people, if they know their history, knows that he was against our intervention into World War II. And it's interesting. Uh, they're playing some of his speeches where he's complaining about the Jews trying to lead us into World War II. Very interesting wow. shows. Didn't uh, didn't uh, Henry Ford wasn't he a Nazi sympathizer as well? Yes, he was. Yeah, yes, he was. Uh, it's a, it's kind of, it's it's scary. It, uh, yeah. you no, know, it's it's hard to deal with them. These are the hard things about American history uh, that right. we have to deal with. But it is, it is what it is, and it's yeah, good yeah, that they're he, bringing it out. Yeah, I think even uh, uh, Truman. Uh, I think it was Truman. It may have been. Uh, Roosevelt, but I think didn't didn't we have a, a Bill? You might know it's a, a massive uh, one of the ships coming from uh, Europe, full of Jews, and we turned we wouldn't let them uh, port, let them dock in America. We'd send them back to uh, to Germany. You know what we're talking about there? Yeah, I'm, I am familiar with that story. I, I don't know uh, I don't know the details, but. Well, if you want to yeah. if you want to get a uh, watch a movie that deals with this, uh, watch Exodus. Herman, you know, Herman oh, really? Wolk's book was all about that, and uh, the, oh, really? Okay. Yeah, the the establishment of the Jewish state and whatever. It's a great, great movie. It's a uh, it's a long movie. It stars Paul Newman in a lot of different places. Uh, people. It's got one of the most unforgettable musical scores that you'll ever hear because uh, Ferrante and Tyser had a top ten hit with uh, the theme from Exodus. Oh wow. I didn't. Even, I've never even heard of the movie, Dave. So that, that's, yeah. uh, I'm going to check that out. I've shown it before as a, as a classic. It is well worth watching. It really is well worth watching. Cast the Giant's Shadow is another movie. Uh, that one with Kurt Douglas. That's very good as well. All right. Here's a question for the show, guys. Let's get into the questions. Okay. Uh, how do I? Oh, this is kind of a generic wide open question and i think you guys could do two shows on this how do i find the purpose of my life it's hard right now in my life and i just need to find my way 
to my purpose. So how do you find, guys, Pastor Scott, Pastor uh, Billy, how do you find your purpose of life? I'm going to go ahead and pump this over to Billy since he wasn't with us in the last uh, show, and then I'll fill in the gaps when he finishes. Uh, Okay. Um, So the thing, this is not an unusual question. Uh, I'm sure Scott has dealt with it on many occasions. I've dealt with it on many occasions. Um, The one thing that I always start with is that God has given all of us some set of natural um, gifts and some set of natural talents. And um, the, the thing not, not everyone can be a, a, a preacher. Uh, not everyone can stand behind the pulpit because not everyone is gifted in that way. But everyone is gifted in some way, form, or fashion. So a lot of people think, you know, well, if, uh, now that I've, I've um, now that I've become a convert and I want to serve God, I need to find a way to be a to be a preacher. Uh, and that is simply not the fact. You need to find what your natural giftings are, what your natural talents are, and then find a way to use those in the kingdom. Um, you know, are you are, are you uh, an excellent vocalist, great. Well, then maybe your ministry is is in singing. Um, you know, we have. Uh, I've got another pastor friend that um, I have jokingly heard. Uh, well, I can't even really say jokingly, I guess, because I know that he's done it on a fa- for a fact in the past. Said, look, I'll I'll even create um, pastors of the toilet paper if that's what's necessary to get people in. Uh, involved, you know, that, I will give that responsibility of checking to make sure the toilet paper is is stocked up in all the bathrooms, uh, because those, you know, there are individuals who are just naturally talented at um, little details like that, and um, getting them involved in ways where their natural talents um, match up with with the task that they've got, and and if you're talking about you as an individual, finding ways to serve where it leads towards my natural giftings and natural talents will result in something that A, is fulfilling, and B, is probably where God wanted you, since that's the set of gifts and talents he gave you. Yeah, that's good. Uh, I would, uh, I would, I think that that is a great, uh, great kind of barometer. There are many tests that people uh, kind of give to people for, um, to kind of help them find uh, their giftings. And I think some people would maybe even um, kind of kind of divide that a little bit more and say there's a difference between a gifting and a purpose. Um, um, but I think that what you're naturally gifted at, and I say when I say naturally, I don't mean uh, I don't mean to take it out of the supernatural. I mean God gave you that gift. But when you when you have a certain gifting, then that is a, that is something that God has put in your life that you're able to use, as Billy said, for uh, the purpose of of the kingdom. And so you should can really consider uh, that. And there have been so many people that are so gifted. I mean, I think you can look at, um, you know, if you ever watch these, uh, these uh, biographies of, of famous people on television, uh, you know, you'll see a lot of them, especially singers, uh, a lot of them, they started, they got their, their kind of their beginnings in the church choir. Yep. And, um, but because, there was no room for a music ministry or there was no room for that gifting or maybe people didn't understand how that gifting could be made into uh, a great way to serve the Lord. They went secular and, you know, the secular world recognized that gifting more so than people in the church. And they, we lost that gifting. It would be exclusively um, for us. So there is that, there's that natural proclivity, that natural inclination, that natural uh, thing that God put in us. I heard somebody say this once. 
They said, the thing that you do that actually refires you, that gets you stirred up, that gives you energy, uh, that's probably more what God has gifted you to do than the thing that just completely drains you and leaves you, you know, uh, in a plate of complete and total um, exhaustedness. Um, But as far as the actual purpose, one thing we all have a purpose to do, regardless of what our natural or or God's gifting in our life, we all have the purpose of making God known. This is our purpose, no matter if it's if if I'm gifted in singing or if I'm gifted in art or sculpture or uh, uh, talk radio or um, pulpit ministry or children's ministry, whatever it might be, all of us have the same purpose. And that purpose is to know God and to make him known. So the purpose, even though we have different giftings, the purpose of everybody remains the same, and that is to find a way to take what I've been blessed with and then use that to make God known in my, in my life. And then how to do that, that's the adventure. How do I take my, my uh, carpentry skills and make God known to the public through that? I mean, I would love to be skilled in carpentry, and I'm just not. My dad was a contractor. He was a builder. He could build anything. I can't, I can't glue two matchsticks together, but, but my dad could do that. And so there are certain people who, you know, if you're really gifted with uh, you know, mechanics and, and with, the, with your car, how can I take this and make God known through my, my gifting that God has given me? So I would say if we really parse it, there's a difference between what you're naturally gifted at and what the purpose is with it the purpose is to is to know god and then to make him uh to make him known the bible is right. a whole list okay we got to take a break. that's okay that makes yeah. sense to me i mean it really does uh I'll, I'll tell you what my grandfather used to say and this was about preachers because he was a a preacher uh forever and he told me when i was a, really a young boy he said woe to the man who doesn't preach and preach but was called, but double woe to the man who tries to preach and was never called. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I've heard something like that, too. That's absolutely right. So you got to know what your gifts are. That's the key. You need to yeah. identify that first. Is there is there something online or something, uh, uh, you know, Scott or, or Billy, that you can, you know, a little test maybe you can take that helps you identify what your spiritual gift is? I know there is. I couldn't tell you off the top of my head what it's called, but I know there are many churches who do give these uh, these kind of tests that will let you uh, locate your gifting. I don't use them personally, um, so I'm not sure what they are, but I've heard many people say they've taken them, and it's, it's helped them to kind of define their, their gift. Do you, do you know of anything, Billy? Um, there, there are some out there. Matter of fact, uh, I have been asked on occasion to take those myself. Um, All right. I was I was trying to think since I happen to be sitting at my computer here I was trying to look and see if I had one of those bookmarks real quick um, but I don't seem to have that bookmark but a quick Google search will will absolutely find you dozens and dozens of those uh, most of them are geared towards the fivefold ministry um, which won't necessarily uh, identify. Uh, it might identify a general area you should be in, but it's, it's not going to help you find your very specific purpose there. But uh, they're all, they'll all provide some insight into um, into the things that you can be doing and where your natural gift, you know, 
as you were just talking about, uh, what double woe to the man who shouldn't be behind. It will absolutely tell you who should not be behind. How's that? So. Yeah, you, you know, I just think that that's probably one of the most important things that you can do uh, to start out with is to identify uh, really what your uh, spiritual gift is. All right, we've got to get our first break in, guys. It's 22 minutes after 7 already. Uh, I'm going to go out to our break with a little RIND collective for you, Scott, so you'll be a- aware of who they are. Count your okay. blessings, one of those. Uh, when we come back, somebody wants to uh, explain uh, our current uh, request by our government in light of Romans 13. We'll do that in a moment uh, when we come back. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. Here's Ren Collective taking us to the traffic. I had failed, but you were my redeemer. I've been blessed. Like these guys. In my wrestling, in my doubts, in my failures, you won't walk out. Your great love will lead me through. You are the peace in my troubled sea. Whoa, you are the peace in my troubled sea. In the silence, you won't let go. In the questions your truth will hold Your great love will lead me through You are the peace in my troubled sea Whoa, You are the peace in my troubled sea Alright, let's hit it. Here we go. My lighthouse, my lighthouse Shining in the darkness I will follow you my lighthouse, my lighthouse, I will trust the promise, you will carry me safe to shore. I tell you, I love this. You can tell they're Irish, can't you, Scott? Oh, yeah, for sure. Love it. Love it. <laughs> you got to see them in concert. They're, they're tremendous. All right, so the question was, explain Romans 13 as it relates to the request our government is making of us right now. We've got uh, about uh, two minutes. Oh, two minutes for the whole chapter. Okay. Uh, uh, well, um, I'll jump in. Uh, obviously, people are using this basically saying we're supposed to obey the government, whatever they tell us to do, uh, and that would be to include uh, not having church service. I think probably that's what they're what they're referring to. Um, I, I think that this chapter is a little bit more complicated than that. I don't I don't think that it tells us that we have to just obey what the government tells us to do. As a matter of fact, I think it's uh, it's a mixture of things. Um, It starts off by telling us to let everybody be subject to the governing authorities, where no authority exists except uh, God has put it in in place. Uh, And therefore, uh, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. Um, And so I think think we have to understand that when Paul is writing this, he's not thinking, I don't believe, I don't think he's exclusively thinking about the the local government authority. I think he's also talking about church authority. Authority is a big, a big word that deals with a lot of, a lot of people. So I think he's dealing with uh, secular authority, but I also think he's dealing with uh, uh, 
religious authority. Because um, even I, when I was reading the story of the Apostle Paul um, not too long ago, Paul was talking about how that, um, uh, if you remember when he was brought into trial, he was brought on trial before the Sanhedrin. I think we forget sometimes that the religious authority of Paul's day, they could bring you and put you on trial. Uh, they had the ability to whip you and discourage you. They had the ability to execute you if they wanted to. So a lot of the wording in here that talks about, you know, beware of the authority because they can carry the sword, they can execute judgment. We don't have that in our church world today, so we automatically think that applies directly to our secular government. But I think it's really applied more so to the uh, religious government as opposed to the secular, although it's, that's still in here. I think the dominant thing it's talking about is obeying what the what the uh, pastoral leadership or the the uh, the uh, leadership of God is All trying right. to say. More we, so than we got, I got a break. Rush is with us right now. All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick Show. Bible Guys are here. you still got a question. You can get it in. Uh, it's BibleGuys at SalemLR.com. All right, we talked a little bit about Romans 13. Here's the second part of the question. What is the best way to explain to someone that you love them but that you don't approve of their actions? I seem to be clumsy with this. In other words, hate the sin Love the sinner. I think you nailed it right there, Dave. That's a really good um, um, explanation. You got you got something there, Billy? You want to say? I, I was just going to say I, I tend to be the uh, the blunt instrument of the group. Uh, well, maybe Steve really really holds that, but uh, <laughs> uh, I, what was what was written there is generally the way I, I handle that. You know, I'll tell people, "Hey, look, I, you know, I I don't really approve of what you're doing, but I still love you," um, and and it's. I'm pretty open and straightforward about that sort of thing because I don't want to, I never want to be able to be accused of, of sending um, a, a double message there, right? I don't ever want anyone to go, well, I thought he implied that that was okay. So I, I tend to be pretty blunt about that statement. Yeah, I, I think that you can, without being patronizing here, I think that you can can kind of take the way you would parent your children um, and, and use it here. Just basically, you know, when you get, when you have to discipline your children, for something something they've done wrong, you know, you you have to explain to them what they've done that's wrong. You show them why it's it's wrong. You administer the discipline, but then you reassure them of your love and your affection for them, and you explain to them why you're having to uh, uh, to do this. I do know, uh, you know, the question is probably re- related to someone who is getting very emotional whenever you whenever you do not support them because this is, this is kind of the world we live in now. If I don't approve of your lifestyle, then I'm a bigot. Um, mm-hmm. and, right. and that, and, and, and they go it's all emotion on you that there's no, uh, there's no way to reason with people who use emotion because they're not using intellect. And so it's really hard to, to try to make an emotional person understand, uh, reason. Uh, but obviously the best way to do it is, is to be very calm and, and to, uh, to, you know, to reassure them of your, your love and your concern for them. However, you, the, the, the rule you live your life by is the rule that's given to you by God, and you can show them a verse of Scripture and say, based upon this, this is why I'm taking the action I'm taking. But get this, Jesus died because of his love for you to help you to live free of this problem, whatever it, uh, whatever lifestyle they're uh, referring to. But I would always, one thing I try to do, before I go and confront anyone about uh, a particular uh, issue in their life, I try to take time and pray about that, 
uh, and pray for that person and pray over that meeting um, before I go and talk with them. Because if you can deal with, with things in the spirit before you try to confront them in the natural, you have a much better uh, result. But if you just fly in there and try to confront behavior uh, without really dealing with the spirit that's causing the bad behavior, you can just get make right. a big mess out of it. Uh, yeah. You know, the apostle, uh, or Peter, remember when Peter approached Jesus, Jesus says, I'm going to die. And Peter's response, from our perspective, sounds compassionate and, and completely understandable. Peter says, you know, be it far from you, Lord, that this would happen to you. No, no, no. And Jesus says, and Jesus looks at Peter and actually tells, says to Peter, looks at him in the face and says, you know, get behind me, Satan, because you favor the things of man and not of God. Now, the, the, the comment Peter made sounded, you know, you know, very compassionate and loving towards the life of Jesus. But Jesus knew there was something motivating what Peter was saying, and he dealt with it. And I think sometimes we tend to look at someone's bad behavior as just their bad behavior and not see there's actually spiritual forces behind why people do what they do. So I would encourage you to pray intently, uh, rebuke things if you have to rebuke them, you know, before you actually sit down and talk with a person. You'll find your results are much better if you do that. Well, the whole prayer thing seems to me is the first thing that you got to do because you got to ask for the intervention of the Holy Spirit. That Absolutely. anything that you say, anything that you're, you know, conversing with that person is going to be just, you know, washed in the Spirit so that it works. Right. Right. No, absolutely. That that's the best way to go to go about that. And and so I would encourage the uh, the questioner to, to make sure they pray thoroughly before they actually launch into some type of correction. Yeah, I I would I'd agree with that as well. All right. So uh, Billy, check out this next question. You'll you're going to like this one. Please ask the Bible guys about the current unity government that is being formed in Israel. Is this a good idea, or if not? Why not? It seems to make everyone happy, at least for the moment. So your thoughts on that one, Billy, and then we'll ask uh, Scott as well. Um, so I think the first thing to understand about Israeli po- uh, uh, politics is that if you think American politics are crazy, uh, welcome <laughs> to Israeli politics. Um, That's the tr- deal with, so this unity government thing is not something new. This is uh, the standard way that things happen in Israel. Uh, in Israel, we don't, you, they don't vote for a specific leader. Uh, they don't go vote for prime minister uh, like we would vote for president. They vote for parties. And then based on those, uh, those vote tallies, um, those parties then get together and really they kind of bargain. Um, they say, okay, I, I got uh, 40% of the vote and therefore I want my people to have these cabinet seats. And, but in order to have a majority, I also need your votes, uh, and I'm willing to purchase, essentially, your votes by giving your people these cabinet seats. So every, um, it, it almost never happens that a single party uh, wins enough, matter of fact, I'm not even sure it would be possible, to win enough seats to hold um, the majority outright. So every Israeli government is a unity government of some sort. What makes this one really different is that you've got people with um, vastly different ideas uh, that just because the people themselves are so divided, um, and we see this everywhere. I mean, you see this in the U.S. these days, and, and I have often talked about the fact that I believe this is symptomatic of the end times. I, I believe that even the, the 
events we see in the book of Revelation are really de designed to push people to the extremes. Um, you know, the Bible tells us that uh, if you're lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. So I really think that a lot of what is happening in the world is designed to prevent people from being lukewarm anymore. Are you truly dedicated to the cause or, or are you fighting against the cause? So what we're seeing right now is that everybody, everywhere when it comes to politics are super divided. And as a result, they got into a situation where they could not form a majority. They just couldn't get enough people to agree to actually have a, a majority of votes. So um, the this is really a uh, conservative and kind of a moderate conservative having gotten together. They've got some different ideas, uh, primarily over whether or not Netanyahu should be in jail or not. Uh, but it, this is not this is not an unusual um, way of forming a government in Israel. This is kind of the standard. So it, I don't really have an opinion there because that's the way it happens anyway. All right. Scott, your yeah. thoughts. Yeah. Um, most when this has happened before, the thing, uh, as Billy said, they, they, they're always they're always coalitions. They always have uh, these uh compromises of getting together because you do vote for a party whatever party wins their leader is the prime minister that's kind of how you know the you know, benjamin netanyahu is the leader of the Likud party and so therefore if Likud wins and he's the prime minister uh benny gets is the is, is the leader of the blue and white party and if the blue and white wins then he becomes the prime minister because he's the leader of the party and the, the uk is the same way it works in the same parliamentary type uh uh, proceedings. Most of the European countries work in this um, in this fashion, so it's a common way of doing things. What we do is a little bit different, but for the most part, ours is based off the old Roman system. But theirs is is very much um, is very much uh, a, a common way of doing it throughout uh, throughout Europe. But the thing that's different about this one is that we have a rotating um, premiership. In other words, we have a rotating prime minister. So. Um, Benjamin Netanyahu will serve as prime minister for 18 months, and then he will step down, and then Benny Getz will step up and become prime minister. This is the thing that's really different about about this one, um, because as Billy said, they're always, quote, unity governments. But this one's a weird one because you have a rotating uh, 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 premier, a rotating prime minister. Um, and Benny Getz is, is, is the speaker of the House now. That's kind of his offering. Um, but then I, when they re rotate... Uh, I guess Netanyahu would become speaker, and then um, Getz would become uh, prime minister, or something uh, along those uh, along those lines. But the problem with it is that typically these type of things, where you have a rotating leadership like this, as far as the prime prime minister, typically don't work uh, very well. Uh, I think haven't we, Dave, had in the past in America where um, you've had almost, we've almost had maybe had once or twice a unity uh, presidency where a Democrat was. The vice president and the Republican was the president, or something like that. Did we do that once or twice in our? Yeah, we have done that once or twice, and I, yeah. off the top of my head, I can't name them. But of course, the vice presidency holds no power basically here in our form of government. Uh, as uh, yeah. Harry Truman's vice president said, that being vice president was like having a warm bucket of spit. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh. They don't. They didn't. Look, they didn't look at it as uh, as having much of anything. So it's kind of that. It leads me to ask you a question. Let me ask it quickly because we're we're coming up on a break. And that is Scott and and Billy. The, the difference between these two is Netanyahu, the real hardcore uh, uh, conservative, or is or is this uh, Getz guy the hardcore uh, conservative? How does this work? 
Well, I think that uh, Getz actually, militarily, Getz is probably just as hawkish, if not more hawkish, than uh, Netanyahu. Getz was a general. He's the one who led the uh, the Gaza, Gaza uh, invasion. He's the one. Actually, he actually Getz is called Netanyahu weak because uh, he hasn't yeah, been hard yeah. enough militarily. So Getz on that side, I think, is just as much, if not more so, than Netanyahu. I think there's more policy issues they deal with. Um, but, um, but I think that I think that I don't know I don't know Getz's policies otherwise. But I know militarily Getz would be as strong, if not stronger, than Netanyahu. I, I, unless I'm wrong on that, Billy. What do you think? Yeah, no. I, I think the big concern uh, to, to be watching out for him um, is that part of the accusation that was leveled against him is that uh, Israel would quote have unending, unending war. Uh, now I'm not sure. How that would be different than their than their current situation, because uh, that's kind of their day to day situation. Uh, I will say that one of the interesting things uh, about the way their government works is that um, whoever is sitting in that top office always has the right to um, disband the government and call for new elections. So uh, the thing I would be watching out for, which could cause a major strain over the next eighteen months. Um, so uh, Netanyahu will be sitting in that office for the next eighteen months with knowing that he has the power uh, rather than turning over the premiership at the end of the 18 months to simply call for new elections again. Um, that would kind of be uh, a real black eye uh, for Gantz, but that could absolutely happen. And I suspect uh, that would cause some pretty strict turmoil over there, um, a, a bit of an uproar, but it's a possibility. And that may have actually been the, the back room sort of deal. Let's get a government uh, uh, fixed now. Let's get a government seated now. Uh, and then we can call for, for some new elections at some point in the future when things settle down. Um, there has been that rumor floating around. But uh, we'll just have to see how that works out. All yeah. right. We got to get a break. We got 13 minutes until 8. When we come back, uh, a, a listener says, I was watching one of your uh, Pastor Scott's Q&A videos, and this one was about the Star of David, and he's got questions about it, and he's got Billy on his mind. So we got some things to talk about when we return here on the Bible Guys, Bible Guys at SalemLR.com for your uh, questions, or 823-0965. If you've got a question you want to ask, here's your opportunity right here at 101.1 FM, The Answer. Got eight minutes uh, before we are done with the Bible Guys today. Fastest moving hour on my show anytime during the week. And uh, Billy is here and Scott is here. Scott is the pastor of Agape Church. Uh, you guys still meeting at uh, uh, these the two different times, uh, Scott? Is that going to go on through the rest of the month of April? Uh, we don't know. <clears throat> uh, last week we uh, we opted and went to... Uh to the live stream um, only, so uh, we're no, we're okay. still in flux. Yeah, we're still in flux now. Uh, but if we if we um, if people just want to check our website on um, on Thursday, we're going to make a decision on Wednesday what's going to how we're going to roll it out. Um, so if they want to go to our website on on Thursday, aclr.org, they can find out what the plans are for this coming Sunday. But we'll definitely, what regards what we do, it will be live streamed um, on Sunday. All right, so let me get to the last question. Somebody heard one of your Q&A videos, Scott, dealing with the Star of David. Maybe I should start with you and have you say what you said during that, and then, Billy, uh, your thoughts on it. Let's hear what Scott's thoughts about it are first. Okay. Um, 
Uh, I have um, my my position on on that is I believe that it it, it originates from and there, you know, if you go online you'll find you know a plethora of different explanations on this. But uh, when you look at that, it's actually called uh, in Hebrew it's called the Mogan David, and Mogan David uh, actually means the shield of David, um, and so. For me, I trace that back to what that would actually um, mean as far as the shield of David. It's not, it's not called the Star of David. It's called the Shield of David. And so if you look at back in um, pictographical or Paleo-Hebrew, so this is the way Hebrew was written, you know, before the modern script, um, the, the letter for, uh, the, the, the letter D that begins David, uh, actually is a triangle. And uh, the way you spell David's name is uh, it's three letters. It's D, V, D, and that V in uh, the pictographical Hebrew is, is a nail. So you have a triangle, a nail, and another triangle. And whenever you have a nail, it's, it's like a conjunctive letter. It actually kind of combines things. So if you just look at the name of David, it would be triangle put together by a nail with another triangle. And so if you take the D, the D and the D, the two triangles, and overlay them on top of each other, you get this star symbol. Mm-hmm. Uh, which we could call it was like the the crest or the the uh, like the coat of arms of the house of David. These two D's. So um, I believe that it came from that time period. Uh, there are a lot of people who think it's a modern thing, but we actually have discovered. Um, I'm, not, I'm drawing a blank on the exact year, but uh, a whole cache of first century pottery in Israel, and a lot of people believe it, it was came from the the first Christian church. Um, pastored by James, and there's a whole cache of uh, pottery, uh, and in this pottery, it has a symbol on it, and it starts off with a fish, which was the first symbol of the uh, the church, not the cross, mm-hmm. the fish, and then um, and then in the center, uh, it has um, the um, the star of uh, David uh, in, in involved in it. So you've got you've got the fish, the star of David, and in the bottom you have the Menorah, the top, the menorah at the top, the Star of David in the middle, and the fish at the bottom. That's the way it works. So the Star of David is there, and that's from the first century. So uh, you don't get much closer to the source. So the first century church adopted this symbol of combining the menorah and the fish, Judaism and Christianity, with the Star of David in the center of it. Uh, so for me, I think it has uh, ancient, ancient origins that dealt with uh, the original House of David and the Messianic line. Uh, because that's what the House of David was, the Messianic line. So that's kind of my, my take on the Star of David. Okay, how about you, Billy? Do you go along with what Scott's saying there? Yeah, yeah, and the the thing, because people get really weird about symbols of any sort, right? Um, and uh, everybody, we're kind of in a culture where everybody wants to be uh, a superstar. Everybody wants to be popular, right? And one of those things that um, people do uh, is they find a... And it's it's just human nature, I think, is that we find an area where someone validates what it is we're thinking, and that causes us to jump further down a rabbit hole, and we find more validation there, and before long we find ourselves way out in the middle of the conspiracy field. So I know there are lots of theories out there on the Internet about uh, it being tied to uh, pagan religions and, and an ancient um, symbols of, of various things, but the reality is that just like Scott was saying, um, this is a, a symbol uh, of that particular house, the house of David. And w- w- the, the best way to think about it 
is just like we think about, although signet rings have fallen out of um, favor these days, a signet ring used to be a very um, common sort of thing. It was the way we, when you pressed it into wax, it was the way you sealed things to prove, hey, I was the one who did this. Uh, we have found not signet rings, but, but presses, uh, even from some of the prophets. Um, so it was, it was common for people who, were, who needed to be able to prove their identity to have something that they could use, a stamp. You know, we, we think about stamping a signature today um, t- to prove that that came from them. So uh, it, it would have it been unusual for the House of David not to have a symbol of some sort to identify that, hey, this legitimately came from the House of David. So, uh, I, no, I think it's a, a it is absolutely um, originates from Paleo-Hebrew, and, and I think it was simply a way for the House of David, for, for David the King to prove, hey, this letter, this edict came from me. You, you can tell that because it's got my seal on it. So. All, right. All right. So that wraps it up for our questions today. Scott, thank you. Billy, thank, thank you. you. And you got fresh coffee there, yes, Billy? Sir. I do. I do finally have my first coffee of the morning. All right. We'll see you all next uh, Tuesday uh, at uh, 7 o'clock as we uh, wrestle with the questions our listeners have here on The Bible Guys. Have a great day, guys. You too, Dave. Bye-bye. Awesome. Thanks, Dave. All right. Scott and Billy uh, doing uh, the Bible Guys here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Got a little music for you. This is Ode to Joy from Beethoven, done by the Rotterberg uh, Symphony. And they, I'll tell you more about this in the next hour, but we'll go with it at the end of it here right now to the news. with you dave ellswick show final hour coming up my thanks to uh, scott uh, stewart and to billy miller uh, scott stewart the pastor at agape church and of course billy uh, miller who pastors out at the cummins uh, prison and joining us and answering uh, questions that you have uh, about the Bible and about faith and about religion in general. Uh, Steve, hopefully, Steve Hess, uh, who uh, works for the uh, school at Agape, uh, should be back with us, hopefully, next uh, next week. He's been doing some early morning teaching 
on his number one job out at the Air Force Base. You know, we ended up playing Ode to Joy there at the end of the show uh, in the last uh, last hour. And there's a story behind that. You may have seen this on uh, the Internet. You may have seen it on YouTube. You may have seen it on Facebook. The Rotterdam Symphony, uh, of course, all of their musicians are uh, in their homes and and doing their social distancing uh, the way they're supposed to be doing it. I mean, this is going on all, all over the world. It's just not an American thing. This is a this is an international thing, and they wanted to do something for the people who have supported them. So here's what happened: they all decided to play Ode to Joy that was written by Beethoven. And they said, well, how can we do that? We can't come into the studio and record it. So each person uh, that holds one of the chairs in the uh, uh, orchestra, chair is the way you determine you get a first chair and a second chair and a third chair, depending upon the the talent of each person uh, of the instrument they play. And they got, uh, you know, the people playing the violins, people playing cellos, people playing the bass, people playing the clarinets and and, uh, all the other instruments, trombones and whatever. And they each played their part of the song. And what they did is they recorded it, and then they put it all together, and so you got the orchestra playing. Here's kind of what it sounded like. And they're working with the, uh, the stringed instruments right now. In a minute, they're going to add an oboe. So they're going to keep doing this, and then they're going to get into the orchestration with choral. How's that one for you? Here we go. Uh, you can go see that on YouTube, and it shows you 
from the very beginning. If you can speak uh, Dutch, you'll understand what the what the, some of the musicians are telling telling you. They're all wishing you well, I'm sure. But then it starts with the bass player and moves through every one of the sections of the orchestra, and then they add in the choral as well, and you have the whole orchestra doing Ode to Joy by Beethoven. It's really cool. It's a viral uh uh, piece that's out there on on YouTube right now. You should take a look at it. I think maybe uh, Elizabeth, am I wrong? Didn't we put it up on my Facebook? It's there. It's there. It's okay, beautiful. so people it's people beautiful. can see it. Yeah, it is really cool. I really it it just goes to show you how far recording has come. For instance, I'm sitting in my dining room right now doing the the show, and in all honesty, because of the technology that I have sitting right in front of me that's no longer than, I don't know, 10 inches long by maybe 5 inches wide and uh, 3 inches tall, uh, I sound like I'm sitting in the studio right now. And then uh, Elizabeth is on her phone, and uh, our guest, Sabine, is with us as well. And uh, she's in, uh, where are you at, Mineral Wells? Mineral, is that where you at? Mineral Springs. Good morning. Mineral Springs, all right. <laughs> And she's on. She's on a phone as well. So by uh, using new technology, we got us all together. And uh, here's the show doing 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 our thing. Sabine, tell us what you're up to. We were just kind of uh, sharing some time together before we came on, and uh, it's been three years since we've seen each other. We saw each other back in Washington D.C. Uh, at the Phoenix uh, in the Hold Your okay. Feet to the Fire uh, from from Fair. And uh, what have you been up over the last, uh, you know, well, forty eight months? Still, I'm still fighting illegal immigration. Okay. After the death, after the death of my only child, Dominic, uh, he was killed in California in 2012 by an illegal who received a misdemeanor and spent about 35 days in jail and then milked our system, was deported and um, had two felonies, prior felonies, DUIs, and nothing ever happened. So I've been still doing that. Uh, I go all around the country. I've been with our dear president many times, been to the White House. Um, thankful for him because he's the only one that ever spoke about this issue, that brought it up, because everybody else puts it under the carpet. And so illegal immigration costs every American, whether they left, right, middle, don't believe in politics, it doesn't matter. We're all affected by it and impacted. And even I, I, now... Yeah. I got to say, I always like the people who say they don't I, I don't take part in in politics. <laughs> here's here's my answer to that. Well, you may not take part, part in politics, but politics take part of you. That's right. And especially with this illegal immigration, um, every one of us is affected by this, even now with uh, with the that new bill that was signed with uh, the two two point two trillion dollars. Right. Well, now. Now there's a group coming out. They want all the 700,000 DACAs who are not legal immigrants. They want them to get a check, too. Um, illegal aliens take the jobs that now Americans desperately need. And we, we still have drugs being smuggled in. That affects us. They still go to our hospitals. They don't pay for it. They don't have insurance. 
Um, they get tax returns. They use fake Social Security numbers. I always tell people, look at your child's Social Security number. Make sure it's not stolen because that's a rude awakening, and I've talked to people about that that been affected by it. So it's not just that the worst thing like the death of my son, but it's other things. It's billion dollars it costs every year, and that's throughout America. Every every state is a border state now. Yeah. Because they are everywhere. Here in Arkansas, I, I see them here. I, I know they're here. Um, in our little town, people thought it was no big deal. Well, they just work, you know, and do their thing. And then a, a, a son was arrested who was raping his daughter, his sister. Well, mm-hmm. he was illegal. And then the father was arrested. So, yes, it impacts everybody. And, right. Um, so that's what I've been doing since 2012, and it just slowed down. Now I canceled all my trips, all my speaking engagements, because, you know, I, I'd rather stay safe than sorry. Well, and I of course. And I appreciate you for, for having me on. Well, you're, you're supporting the president's policies, as am I. That's the reason I'm doing Absolutely. my show, you know, here in uh, my dining room. I could <laughs> drive in and, and do it from yes. the studio by myself, but uh, I'm doing what the president has asked. And he said right. he wants you to social distance, so I'm, uh, I'm trying to lead the way, so to speak, as far that's, as that's concerned. We have to be smart about this. Um, like he calls it the, the unseen, the, the silent killer. Mm-hmm. The, what does he call it? It's not the secret. Yeah, the silent, no, unseen, I think he calls it. Our unseen enemy he, is what he talks yeah, about all the time. Yeah, unseen enemy. And, and I'm fighting the well-known and seen enemy, illegal yeah. immigration. So, you know, it, it, everything really goes hand in hand, and we have a president that cares. Um, so we, 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 we have to get together on this one, and I hope we come out better. Uh, and stronger, like you with that piece you played. Isn't that amazing? What what people can put together and what they can come up with when we have to. Yeah, those we're, people. We're those people spoiled. live all over Holland. They live yeah. all over Holland. Now yeah. Holland's not the biggest country, but still, no. they're all yeah. over uh, Holland, and they they played their their particular part. They put it together, and you you wouldn't know that they didn't all come together no, and record that. But we, we learn how to deal with different situations, whatever. This is a brand new one. And sadly, so many people now realize what's most important. I realized that before my son was killed, because he was my one and only, we were best of friends, that he was the most important part of my life. And now people realize that's who they're home with. Yeah, we might get on each other's nerves, but... That's family or our friends, and, and we have to treasure and cherish and work on that. We can't take things for granted anymore. Yeah, I agree. I know that uh, Elizabeth is back with us, and Elizabeth, uh, you suggested that to me that we get to being back on the air. And what are some things that you wanted to bring forth again that people shouldn't forget? Well, at this time, I'm I'm just thinking about all the people that are affected by illegal immigration, and I'm wondering what's happening with a lot of the folks that were on the border that are constantly still fighting or the people coming across. Um, what's happening with people who are getting exposed at the border? We haven't heard a word. Do you know, Sabine? 
Um, it's very hush-hush. It's not talked about because the mainstream media just doesn't want to talk about anything that has to do with illegal aliens. They like to call them undocumented or new Americans. Um, I know that there are Border Patrol agents that have been affected and I- infected. They are positive. These guys put their lives on the line every day, and then they go home, and they have families. And these guys go back and forth and keep fighting this flood of illegals. Um, and they're going to continue to come in. The drugs keep coming in. They just busted a, a, a truck. I think it was 48 illegals in it. And those are just the ones that are caught. I'm, I'm sure they still sneak across where there is no wall. That's why we need it all across the border. And we need it fast. Um, so this continues, and nobody talks about it. Then they go to the hospitals. Well, they they stay right there. We don't know who they are, what they bring in. I mean, we have enough to fight with right now and shouldn't have to deal with illegal immigration. Oh, and then in California, they release illegals out of the uh, detention centers, well, because they worried about the virus. Really, you you got to add to the to the trouble we already have. It's insanity. Um, I wish I never have to utter the word illegal alien anymore. I wish I wouldn't hear from another angel mom or angel dad. Um, sadly, it, it, it continues. Yeah, they keep, it keeps going on. And uh, yeah. I've had several people on here from uh, our health care systems locally who yeah. have said we have seen an uptick in tuberculosis yeah. and in, in other diseases because the people that are being brought across the border and the people who are sneaking across the border are carrying these diseases, which we had under control uh, in exactly. the United States now, into our country again. Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of times I hear, well, your son could have been killed by an American. I say, you're right, but he wasn't. Now we're yeah. going with it. Yeah, you yeah. Know? And then, oh, these poor people, not all of them are bad. Well, okay, but they're still all illegal. I, yeah. It took me six years, and I came here legally from Germany. It took me six years to become a citizen. And I remember strongly that I had to sign a paper that I would never be able to receive a dime from our American system, no matter what. And it was no-brainer for me to sign that and agree with it because I didn't earn it. But now illegal aliens who used to claim they were in the shadows, they are out. They're flaunting it. They're flipping us off. They're laughing at us while they're cleaning up. They make a lot of money with welfare, and yes, they vote, and that's why the Democrats, all of a sudden, they flipped it, and they are now advocating for illegals to be here. Nancy Pelosi said the other day that uh, these DACAs and some of these undocumented ones are more American than some Americans are, and they just don't have the paperwork. That disgusts me. I, I couldn't. I almost threw up because these are the people that's supposed to take care of Americans first. And they are so mad that Donald Trump threw a monkey wrench into their plans. And now anything he does, if he could cure the COVID virus, the Chinese virus today, they would find a way to make it look bad. Yeah, they demonize him. You're right. Yeah. (laughs) 
they're doing that very thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. they work hard I mean, at it. They're just blasting him and working against him, and especially at a time right now where all this should be put on the back burner. But no, even with the, with the bill that, uh, that was signed, uh, the $2.2 trillion bill, they had to put in their little stuff. They had to put in their pork. I didn't even know what pork was at first because I thought, you know, uh, <laughs> shredded uh, shredded pork with barbecue sauce. I said, what, what is that? And then I learned. We wish. They, yeah. <laughs> they're fattening up this bill with things that have nothing to do with fighting against this virus and fighting for the people on the front line, the healthcare. Uh, people, the hospital doctors, uh, EMTs, the, the ambulance, everybody that is law enforcement that is in, in, in out there getting exposed every day. No, we've we, we got to get a couple of million for the Kennedy Center and and PBS. And my God, when is he go- what is it going to take for everybody to really work together? Yeah, I don't I know if don't that's ever. It. Don't know if that's possible ever again. Okay, if you guys will hold on, we're going to take a break. It's twenty-four after eight. Sabine is our guest. Uh, she is uh, a mother who lost her son uh, to an illegal alien, uh, and she's out fighting. Uh, you know these border crossers that are coming into our country and and doing it illegally. We'll talk about it more with her. Elizabeth is here as well. Uh, we'll continue on our conversation uh, coming to the bottom of the hour right now. Here, uh, time for your traffic and your weather on the Dave Ellswick Show, one hundred one point one FM. The answer. All right, back, Dave Ellswick Show. We just got about a minute and a half before we get to Sean Hannity, and uh, Saban is with us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Is there some place people can go and read your story at and see what it is that you're up to? And, uh, oh, once absolutely. This is, you know, yeah. Yes, it is on domhugs, D-O-M-H-U-G-S dot org. You can also follow me on Twitter, Sabine Coulter. Uh, at Sabine underscore Durden. And then I want to talk about real quick about a group that five other angel parents and myself uh, created an organization called Advocates for Victims of Illegal Alien Crime, AVIAC, A-V-I-A-C dot U-S. Okay. Uh, come join us and see what we're doing. We're out there fighting so you never have to. Um, and I, I appreciate you so much, Dave and Elizabeth, and I look forward to coming back and maybe talk about that. Hey, nothing else is happening. We're all good now. All right. I'll tell you what. We'll get you back on again in the very near future. And uh, we already have that link that you just talked about on our Facebook page for the Dave Ellswick Show. So everybody can access it right there. And I want to thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. And you guys stay safe and sane. We will do so. All right. I, the sane part, I can't guarantee. Let's take a break. It's time It's ta- time for Sean Hannity. That's coming up, and then uh, we'll get back into it here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right. Back with you with 24 minutes left in a Tuesday edition of the Dave Ellswick Show. Elizabeth will join us here again in just a moment. Heidi is back running the Starship Enterprise. I want to remind you that if you're worried about this meltdown with the stock market, I've got some really good news for you. According to Forbes, this could be the huge opportunity 
opportunity you've been waiting for right now to save big money on taxes in retirement. You can learn how with a free tax reduction analysis by phone or video conference. And it's from David Lucas Financial right here in Little Rock. If you've saved more than $400,000, be one of the first 10 callers to schedule your free analysis now at 501-222-3315. This big drop in the stock market could be your window of opportunity to save tens of thousands if not hundreds of thousands of dollars in taxation. Learn how by calling 501-222-3315. Again, that's 501-222-3315. All right, back on the Dave Ellswick Show, a couple of things that I wanted to touch on with Elizabeth. One, Elizabeth, a new story on Fox News today, and uh, let me bring that up on my uh, uh, electronic media that I have with me right now. And uh, the <laughs> my, uh, if you just heard that in the background, that was uh, my Alexa talking to me. I got talking too loud, and it answered my question with, I don't know the answer to that. So <laughs> I thought that was pretty, pretty good. Anyway. Uh, at the University of Nebraska, they say that there is a possibility now that the uh, coronavirus has uh, gone airborne. And they say may have because they don't have uh, specific information. It just says it may be possible for the coronavirus to transmit through the air. This is a new study that came out over the weekend. In a joint study by the University of Nebraska Medical Center, the National Strategic Research Institute at the University of Nebraska and others, researchers are finding genetic material from the virus that causes COVID-19 in air samples from both in and outside of confirmed uh, coronavirus patients' rooms. Now, there's a lot of questions that go through my mind when I hear that. For instance, do they have some kind of sealed off entrance uh, into the patient's rooms? Or are we talking uh, you go into the room, open the door, walk into the room, go into the room, do what you're doing, open the door, walk out of the room. Air is going to follow you out into the hallway or whatever. Is that how it, it might, uh, might be getting out? Uh, the findings are offer, offering limited evidence that some potential for airborne transmission exists, researchers are saying, though they warn that the findings do not confirm that the virus is spread airborne. Researchers looking to better understand viral shredding of the virus took air and surface samples from 11 patients' rooms during the initial isolation of 13 people who tested positive. The researchers found virus genetic material on commonly used items such as toilets, but also in air samples, thus uh, indicating that sars COVID-2 is widely disseminated in the environment, and uh, that SARS-CoV-2 is the name of the virus that causes COVID-19. 
Not only was the virus detected within COVID-19 patients' rooms, air samples from hallways outside rooms where the staff was moving in and out of doors were also uh, positive. And they said that these findings indicate that disease might be spread through both direct, that's droplet and person-to-person, as well as indirect com- uh, contact, contaminated objects, and airborne transmission. Now, I, I knew about contaminated objects because they've been talking about how long does the virus live on different kinds of of objects. I mean, in that cruise line, that Princess Cruise Line, they found COVID-19 uh, virus on, uh, you know, items 17 days after all the people had gotten off that ship. So uh, oh, that uh, ship was highly, highly, highly infected. And, of course, it had replicated and continued to grow inside that closed environment for how many weeks? It was very highly infected. You know, these, these rooms, I'm reading this article, uh, negative air pressure means when you open the door, the regular air situation is the air goes from the hallway into the room. That's correct. That's, that's the way it works. Now, they're using negative air pressure. I've read a lot about it. It's a standard thing that, that places use for contamination control. Um, it is a little disconcerting to know that they have found genetic shedding outside those rooms. The negative air pressure should control a significant amount, if not all of that, um, I doubt you're talking about an airlock situation where you go through a special, like you do in so many department stores and everywhere else, that little open area, and then you go through a second door. Mm-hmm. Most of our hospitals are not set up that way in their contaminated areas. That's, it's just not the way it's done. They do it with air pressure. And with that's why we've had so much talk about personal protective equipment. Our healthcare people are on the front lines being heavily, heavily exposed um, yesterday, I saw a news story about masks. Well, why why are you saying that people should not wear masks, but our healthcare people need them? Well, the average person, if you're staying at home and doing what you're supposed to be doing, you're not being out in it. The average healthcare person is being heavily exposed on a regular basis. They need more protection. Yeah, absolutely, and that's why they need uh, the masks in the hospital and. To be honest, uh, for most people, the reason your doctor wears a mask is not to not to protect them. It's to protect you uh, because they know you have a lower immune system. They know you've got you're more susceptible and they're trying to stop the germs from getting from them to you. That's the reason they put on a, 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 a mouth mask for the most part. I think maybe, and you interviewed Mike Lindell about making my uh, masks at his yes. my pillow factory. Oh my gosh, that has really set off the uh, leftist machine. They are just going into orbit that he dared get up in front of a podium and speak about God and and prayer and helping the country. But uh, it could be that we're all um, it, the way I see this is if we're not able to get a vaccine or some sort of prophylactic measures that can really help control our exposure, it may be, it may be that we all end up for a while, maybe that we're asked to wear masks out in public, again, so that each one of us would not take the chance on spewing out (laughs) whatever we may be carrying. Because we now know that these asymptomatic people, and it's nobody's fault, nobody ever knows, 
but you can be carrying this thing around and never know it. You may never even get ill. Um, be sure, and when you hear people talk about virus shedding, what that means is that you're carrying the virus in your system and you are basically giving it off into the environment. You may never know that you're ill. You may never know that anyone around you became ill, but that is apparently one of the biggest uh, unknowns about this problem. All right. Another issue that I wanted to uh, deal with is something that has been out on the Internet, and we all know everything that's on the Internet is true. And uh, Absolutely. <laughs> the scientists, food scientists are saying there is a video out that uh, this viral video that people are watching, and it's telling uh, people to wash their fruits and vegetables in soapy water. And the answer no, no, to no, that no. is absolutely not. Do not do that. No. Uh, food scientists say that we've known for 60 years that there are toxic- uh, toxicity issues about consuming household dish soaps. Uh, Benjamin Chapman, who's a professor uh, of food safety uh, and a specialist of, of this in uh, North Carolina State University, told Live Science, quote, if you drank dish soap or uh, you know, soapy water, or or even eating it on uh, you know foods, it can lead to nausea, can lead to an upset stomach. It's not a compound that your stomach is built to deal with. Instead, people should wash produce as they normally would with cold water. Is what that you need to do. Now, let me tell you that people watching this video, over 16 million people uh, have watched this, 16 and a half million since March 24th, and this is an absolutely wrong video. It's giving you wrong information. You can't just take at, you know, uh, face value. In other words, when you're watching it and you're seeing this and you don't know who this person really is and what their uh, specialty is, what they may be telling you may be just the opposite of what you should be doing, which is the case in this viral video that's been on YouTube since uh, March 24th from a, uh, a doctor in private practice, family doctor in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Do not, let me repeat to you, do not wash your vegetables and your fruits in soapy water not good form especially warm soup soapy water can get through the skin and get into uh, the fruit and the vegetable itself so don't do it there you go you know there are so many there are so many places to get good information and this is an indication of how scared people are they're frantic they're worried they're grabbing onto anything they can find They've got to pay attention to more credible sources. That's why you're here, why other folks are CDC, the state of Arkansas, health departments. Those people are giving out credible information just because you saw it on the Internet. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, this is this is not scientifically scientifically accurate. He does say some things that are correct. For instance, he says, when you go shopping, don't take a parent that's you know sixty five years or older. You just don't want to do that. Uh, they're they're more susceptible to the virus. You do want to get one of those hand sanitizers at the door and wipe off the the cart, wipe off your hands uh, while you're doing it. That that's 
that's don't the way touch your you face. should do it. That's yeah, don't touch your face. That's true. When you're and, out and around, don't touch your face. Another thing that they're talking about as far as fruits and vegetables, they say it might be good. Maybe you don't take them directly into the house. You, you know, let them air a little bit and see if uh, that won't get some of the stuff that's on there. Uh, they said that... Uh, uh, you know, you don't have to apply refrigerated uh, and uh, refrigerant and frozen foods. You've got to keep those frozen, so you got to do that. He suggested that containers bought at the store be disinfected or discarded. I mean, uh, you might think this is going overboard, but we're talking about little microbes, tiny, tiny, tiny things. I mean, if you've ever seen the, the movie War of the Worlds, you know what brought the aliens down. <laughs> And uh, it, it wasn't man and, and atomic weapons. It was the smallest thing on our planet. All right, let's take a break. Uh, they mentioned in this that the virus can stay on cardboard for 24 hours, plastic and stainless steel for 72 hours, although the overall concentration falls significantly, uh, significantly even before that time is up. But the process of of quarantining and then sanitizing food containers before putting them in the refrigerator or pantry isn't, let me say that again, isn't necessary. Quote, we don't have any evidence that food or food packaging are transmission vehicles for the coronavirus, says the food scientist. So keep that in mind. Just because one person says it doesn't necessarily make it true. Ten minutes before nine, just some new information coming out. We try to keep you up to date on all of that here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Elizabeth and I will be back after this final break and uh, finish it up for Tuesday here on 101.1 FM, The Answer. By the way, one last point uh, from uh, a scientist at Rutgers uh, University, Dr. Chapman. He says some people are uh, taking and washing their fruits and vegetables in a very diluted uh, thing of uh, water and bleach. And he says ingesting bleach uh, is uh, that's the cure worse than the disease. And he said when you wash your vegetables and your uh, fruits with cold water and and you know use your hands and let the, the water run over them you're getting rid of 90 to 99 percent of the virus and uh, on top if it's there and on top of that when you eat that food one if you cook it the heat will kill the virus and two once it gets to uh, you know into your mouth, uh, your digestive juices go to work on it, and it cannot survive the onslaught of digestive juices, especially in the stomach, which is highly acidic. So, just some information. Uh, I just want people to understand: you got to check out what you're seeing on the uh, uh, there on the, the internet. I mean, for instance. There's, there's some of you listening right now, I do not doubt, who have not had your children vaccinated because you've heard that it can cause, uh, you know, autism. And that was based on a report that was out of, Lan- out of the Lancet uh, Medical Journal in England that was proven beyond a shadow of a doubt it was absolutely false. And most people who believe in that report do so because Jenny McCarthy 
Now, what has Jenny McCarthy ever done besides pose in Playboy and been on Baywatch, all right? Anyway, they listen to her instead of doctors. Doctors will tell you there is no correlation there between uh, the vaccinations and your child. All you're doing is exposing your child, in many cases, to stuff they don't, you know, these vaccinations will protect them against. And I and I'm one of those people that, you know, vehemently believe in uh, herd mentality as far as uh, vaccinations go. We almost knocked out measles, uh, polio and uh, mumps and some other diseases. And then these people see Jenny McCarthy and decide not to get their kids vaccinated. Now these diseases are popping up again all over the place. I mean, uh, last year, Arkansas was the epicenter for measles in the United States. That's wrong, folks. Use some you common have to sense. Wonder, you have to wonder if folks aren't interested in getting vaccinations, how many folks are not interested in staying home right now. And, you know, it's it's not affecting me, me, me. So I'll yeah. do what I, I, I want to do. Never mind the next guy. Yeah. And I'm, I'm worried. You know, everybody says, well, we need a vaccination. Here's the key. You got one for the flu, and people will tell you sometimes they they miss, all right, because there's several different kinds of flu out there. But if you get the vaccination, it will lessen the uh, this, the symptomatic uh, things that you'll go through. I get a flu shot every year. There's people that say, ah, I don't get a flu shot. I never get the flu. Well, what happens on this coronavirus? And they come up with a vaccine. You're going to get the flu, the the, the coronavirus uh, vaccine, or are you going to say the same thing that you say about the flu? Flu's killing more people right now than the coronavirus is. I'm just saying that kind of thought well, process is we need, is crazy. Yeah, this is why we need the immunizations, and even the people who have gotten ill, who have gotten well, because those are antibodies that are going to get out there, and the more people that recover. The more people, it's that herd immunity that you've talked about. We have nothing right now to protect ourselves. That's why it's running rampant. But yep. if we can get enough people who've been through it, who've been vaccinated, who've taken care, then we can start building up some of that healthy healthy immunity to help us through until we get to a point where we have uh, both treatments and or vaccinations, vaccines. They're testing vaccines already phenomenally yep, quickly. Yeah, Johnson & Johnson has already been uh, notified that the federal government is firmly in their corner and we should see a vaccine sometime in the beginning of uh, very early beginning of 2021. So keep that in mind. But there's a lot of antivirals that you're going to be able to take to reduce uh, you know, the symptoms of this coronavirus that's out there, COVID-19. Well, Elizabeth, we're out of time. I appreciate you giving us your time today to be on the Dave Ellswick Show. You always bring a lot of good things to the plate. We appreciate you. Thank you for having me. I'll see you on next uh, Tuesday. I'll be talking to you each day, as I always do. Uh, we'll be back at 6 a.m. tomorrow. Don't forget, we'll have French Hill on tomorrow. He'll be on at 7 o'clock. We, some, we have some other uh, special guests that will be joining us uh, talking about COVID-19 and all the rest. That's all coming your way tomorrow. We get underway at 6 a.m. I'll see you there here on the Dave Ellswick Show on, uh, of course, 101.1 FM, The Answer.